Hello and welcome to Sports the Podcast, where we talk about the weekend news every Sunday. And I'm your host, Sean McLeod. This week, we are joined by a very special guest, my good friend, Michael Peterson. Michael, how are you? Not too bad, hanging in there, not leaving the house at all, so that's always a good thing. <laughs> the, re- the responsible decision in times like these, I would say. Yeah. A yeah. few. There's a few people out there that could uh, take the lead, you know, on that, and there are not. So it's good to see that the layperson like us has got our, our stuff together. <laughs> the uh, the stay at home thing isn't actually that hard for me, so you know. Eh. <laughs> the the stay at home part wasn't that difficult for me, and like. <laughs> The idea of staying at home wasn't that difficult for me until they canceled every single North American sporting event, and I'm watching like reruns of poker tournaments. It's a, uh, it's a little difficult. I mean, the nice thing, at least for for us, is that we we did to get NFL Game Pass now and like NBA Classic team M- NBA Classic games and uh, Major League Baseball has opened up their YouTube vault again, so. You know, if you want to watch some classic big four sports, I don't know what the NHL, I don't know if the NHL's done anything. I guess they haven't really checked. But, uh, you know, if you want to check stuff out, it's not that hard to at least watch some good old stuff that exists. I believe, and don't quote me on this, but I believe that the NHL opened up uh, their version of Game Pass or Center Ice, I think it's called. Yeah, Center Ice. Yeah, I believe they opened up Center Ice for like the last few years, and you can kind of browse that and find something if you're interested. But the one thing that has not stopped for North American sports is the NFL free agency. After a little back and forth of whether the free agency should even happen, it's gone on as planned. Although, uh, as we just found out, the offseason has been delayed a little bit. We're going to be getting that more information on that, I'm assuming, pretty soon. But we have no real expected time to start spring training. We have no expected time to start a preseason if those things even happen, who knows with COVID-19. Yeah, the the nice part about this and like the the NFL is already working with uh, the XFL on it, which, you know, it's a good partnership between the XFL and the NFL is good for both parties. But like the the way that the CBA is written, or at least the previous CBA, I assume that the language didn't change for training camps. But uh, the XFL players would not have been able to join the initial training camp because they have to take at least three months, I believe it is, off football. So the uh, silver lining right now is that XFL players that impressed can at least, uh, when they do convene training camp, they can play in training camp. Kenny Robinson and uh, P.J. Walker. I mentioned P.J. Walker is going to get a look somewhere. Like, not for a starting gig, because as we're going to go over pretty... Pretty soon, there's not a a wide variety of starting gigs available, but man, PJ for the for the few games that they had on there, the handful, he he looked good. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that you know coming out of Houston, no Temple, Temple, Temple. Yeah. He played for Houston in the XFL. Yeah, uh, but like five eleven, you know, it's always going to be a height thing unless you absolutely stand out, like Kyler Murray, like. Russell Kyler Wilson. Murray did so much at Oklahoma. I mean, Russell Wilson fell fell to the third round. Yeah, like he he's turned out to be a great quarterback. And like, if he didn't go to Wisconsin, like if if he had gone to a smaller school like Temple, like I I don't think he ends up being drafted. Speaking of great quarterbacks, Tom Brady to Tampa for two years, fifty million dollars. Not exactly where I thought he would go. If if I'm being completely honest, 
I thought maybe Las, Las Vegas made a lot of sense. You know, you get out there, first year, new arena, glitz and glam of, of Las Vegas. You get your big-name quarterback. I thought it made a lot of sense on paper. Um, I think Tampa Bay probably had the advantage of being on the East Coast. I, I'm not sure what the tax situation is in, like, Florida, but I'm, I'm if I remember correctly from the Heatles days, it was pretty good. What's your yeah. take on Brady to Tampa? So there were a couple of things that I think were in Tampa Bay's favor. Uh, one part that was mentioned by another uh, writer was that Tom, one of Tom's things was being closer to New York. So like a lot of West Coast teams were just out right away because he wanted to stay close to the East Coast. And like, don't get me wrong, I think Tampa Bay is still like 1,500 miles away from New York, but I don't think he was ever really going to go uh, go to the west coast go to las vegas also i think that the las vegas part of your your little thing there is uh it's one of those things where las vegas would do it much in the same way that like brooklyn got all the stars when they opened up the Brook barclays arena like bringing in tom brady to do that sounds great but i don't know if that's the situation that tom brady would want to go to like they're their cap is taken up by Derek Carr right now, so yeah, it's not it's not a situation where he's going to go play with you know Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, O.J. Howard. I assume they still have Ronald Jones. I believe so. But uh, you know he's got a good good contingent of weapons that he never really had in New England. Like we we had Randy Moss, we had Dion Branch, and like that. Wes Welker was good, but like he he was I don't know if Wes Welker was good because he could run a slant route better than anyone in the world, and Tom Brady could throw a slant route better than anyone in the world, or if he was just an actual good receiver. But uh, Tom to Tampa Bay is great. I uh, I personally did not see it coming either, mostly because I didn't think Tampa Bay would be going for Tom Brady. Tom Brady's kind of a the short term fix, but also you know your window to compete when you still have people on rookie contracts is very small. So I guess, you know, it makes sense to just cash in, get Tom Brady, have him throw passes to two big wide receivers and a great tight end. and We'll see where it goes. Is this really going to be our first instance of Tom Brady and like a big vertical offense since Randy Moss left too? It's like, what is, what does Tom Brady have left in him? I thought he looked pretty, pretty average throughout the last season. Of course, his last game was not his greatest uh, and will probably go down as a pretty memorable one. But I think it'll be interesting seeing him having so many weapons. And now you've got, you've got big receivers, you've got tight ends that can catch, you've got depth, you know, they're in a position in a, in a pretty tough division. I may add that that division is just going to be killer. They're in a position to really make a run at things. Yeah. Their, their defense isn't too shabby either. I believe they just signed uh, Shaquille Barrett to a new contract, so they uh, they also get to you know line up a good defense across from what should be, for all intents and purposes, a good offense as well. And what do you make of that uh, that division? We're going to run down the list here. We got Teddy Bridgewater coming in, one of our favorite quarterbacks in the league. Uh, yep. We've also got Emmanuel Sanders coming in, a wide receiver, some more receiving depth for the Saints, like they ever need that. You've got pr- probably three or four teams there that can that can compete, and of course we're 
I'm just glossing this over, but Todd Gurley in uh in Atlanta is a pretty questionable signing, but it could pay big dividends. Yeah, it's all going to matter on what Todd Gurley has left in the tank or if he's fully healed from whatever ailed him near the end of their Super Bowl run and presumably all of last year as they didn't really do anything with him last year. Um, you know, if Todd Gurley is an effective running back and you're the, the Los Angeles Rams, you have to assume that you're going to use Todd Gurley. So them not using Todd Gurley makes me wonder if it was an effectiveness issue, a practice issue, or an injury issue. I think, I think uh, just on, sorry to interrupt you, but I think from what I heard and what I was reading is like the possibility of degenerative knees, which uh, I mean, for the NBA, of course, we see uh, Kawhi Leonard possibly having that issue and they, they manage that through, you know, load management, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think I remember a big degenerative knee issue ever in the NFL, at least in my time. Uh, and again, like back in the NBA, you had like Brandon Roy. It's like eventually it just cuts your cuts your athletic career so short because it's so tough on your joints uh, and it just taxes your athleticism. If it is degenerative knees, that's a that's a pretty interesting call. It's like you're looking at probably a running back by committee, which isn't strange in in today's standards. But yeah, that if it if it is degenerative knees, I think that's a it's going to be interesting to see how they use them for sure. Yeah, I think in a, in a combination backfield, he'll uh, he'll certainly be a lot better utilized. Yeah, I think if you leave him, if you leave him for goal line situations, and you get about like eight hundred, nine hundred yards, you're pretty happy. You'll probably get a decent amount of touchdowns in those in those uh, carries. But yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, personally, I think I'm I'm picking Tampa Bay to be the favorites in that division. Yeah, I think the combination of Tampa Bay having both a good defense and then arguably shoring up their weakest position with one of the greatest to ever throw a football is uh, is a good shout for the actual winner of the division. Uh, I also just don't like the Falcons anymore. Like, it, it's one of those things where I think a lot of the players in the Falcons are good, but they've been there for so long and they haven't done anything recently, so... What's going to change? What's going to give for the Falcons to actually get over that hump? Uh, like they got to the Super Bowl, and then from there, we they haven't really done much. That's a fair shout. And as you mentioned, the weakest position, the air quotes around weakest position, because I, I really liked him. I thought he was one of the most exciting quarterbacks in the NFL and exciting, you know, used properly here. Not good, but exciting. Yeah, Jameis Winston. Uh, where do you think he's going to go? So, I think there's a lot of options for Jameis, depending on what Jameis wants to do. Like, there are a couple teams out there where you could see Jameis going and potentially competing for a starting job. Not necessarily winning a starting job, but you know, the the competition could be open at the very least. But I think if I was Jameis Winston. And based on what my last few years in Tampa Bay have taught me as a, as a player, I would go to a situation where, like, you know, you you have the Indianapolis Colts where you can go behind Phillip Rivers. Uh, one person I remember said that he could take a small deal and end up as the Pittsburgh Steelers backup to Ben Roethlisberger. And then if Roethlisberger gets injured again, like, they, they, you can step in 
for Ben, but a situation like that where you're not necessarily going to immediately compete, but you're going to be able to just sit, learn from someone who has already done the things that you're going to end up wanting to do. I think uh, I think the Steelers make a lot of sense. If you're running down the list of like available starting quarterbacks positions, you're looking Chargers, you're looking Patriots, and maybe Miami. Uh, I'm thinking, I think that's it, right? That's, it's just really those three spots. And you can kind of guess that Miami and I guess the Bengals really, um, yeah. are going to shore up their, their picks in the first round. And they're going to the pick a, a quarterback pretty high, probably. I think I can't see him in the Patriots. I can't see him in a Patriots uniform because they're so strict and like perfectionist football. You know, you go into, you go into Foxborough. And a lot of the times teams end up beating themselves and you all of a sudden you put Jameis in there and life gets a bit more difficult. I think the Steelers make a lot of sense as you can go learn behind a, a quarterback that did, like you said, some of the stuff that he, he did. And Tomlin is probably the best coach for him out there as well. He's just such a good player development coach. I, yeah. I like that fit a lot. One uh, Another quarterback that I'm actually quite interested in is uh, Jacoby Brissett is now he's no longer the starting quarterback in Indianapolis. I wonder if the Patriots aren't kicking uh, kicking the tires on that one to see if he's available. I assume they are. That it, it, I think they'd be remiss not to. Like they're already familiar with Jacoby. Jacoby's already familiar with them. It's uh, it's basically a match made in heaven. And I mean, at the start of the season, he was playing like near MVP caliber football. He was really, really good, balling out. And when he came back, eh, he looked a little bit pedestrian. But if you see that level of production in there, he—I mean—he was there for like a few, a few weeks. He put that output out. So I'm interested in that. And the other big quarterback that's yet to fall is Cam Newton. Let's be honest. There's not going to be a trade market for him. The Teddy Bridgewater signing kind of kind of dried that up really quick. Everybody knows yeah. what the Panthers want to do, and they're not going to hand over any substantial amount for him. Likely, I would imagine he's likely going to be released uh, within the week or so if they can't find anything. Where do you think he'll go from here? I mean, if we're being honest, I don't know that Cam Newton really ends up anywhere good for Cam Newton and the team. There's not really a place where he can go be Cam Newton and everyone's okay with it, which is really awkward for him. And I don't know that Cam Newton wants to compete for a starting job. Like, I think in my mind, like if we're playing video game football here, Cam Newton going to the Bengals on a two or three year deal to work with uh, Joe Burrow. Like you get... Joe Burrow versus Cam Newton that first offseason. Like, if Cam Newton loses, there's no way that he's going to be a good influence on that locker room. Uh, so, like, all, all those locations, I think, are out where, you, where you're going to have a young quarterback that the teams are going to want to get behind. And th- there's already a bevy of young quarterbacks that, have, that already have people behind them. You know, like, he's not going to go to Sam Darnold. You're not going to go over Josh Allen. Uh, you're not going to go over Kyler Murray. Not gonna like there. There's just not really a place for Cam Newton because of who I think Cam Newton is. He's 
if uh, to to make a cross sport reference here, I think Cam Newton's a lot like Allen Iverson, where at the tail end of Allen Iverson's career, he could have come off the bench and been an effective bench scorer for many many different teams, but Allen Iverson didn't want to come off the bench, and I don't know that Cam Newton wants to do it either. That makes me think that there's maybe one position that's really good for for Cam Newton. I mean, really good is maybe overstating it, but that sounds to me like the LA Chargers really is like uncontested. They don't, as far as I'm aware, they don't really have a quarterback that they're like, oh, I'm going to be in love with this guy. It is a different system and uh, it's not perfect. I could see it though. And especially in LA, you get a big, big name like Cam Newton. Cam Newton's name still holds value. Uh, you can sell some tickets in a an arena that hasn't been selling the most. Mm-hmm. I I think the Chargers are content with Ty, Tyrod Taylor, though. Like that's, I think they want Tyrod Taylor to bridge the gap between Philip Rivers and whomever their next starting quarterback is. Yeah, I guess, but the ticket thing, I guess, to me, is the thing that matters in in LA. It's like they. I get most of their revenue and the thing, the, the entire reason why they moved, I suppose, is the television deals, right? It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if there's one person in the stands as those television revenue is so huge, right? Mm-hmm. I really think that that, that is the best fit for him out there. When I run down the list of like other stuff that's available, it's like, I don't, I don't know if the, the Raiders really are that content with, you know, their quarterbacks that they have, but I also don't think that they want to go out and, blow any substantial amount on a quarterback that isn't for sure going to be their next big thing. I don't yeah. think, I don't think the Bengals are really that great. Maybe Miami, but like Miami's going to pick a quarterback. Like we can, we can pretty safely assume that, that they're going to pick a quarterback. So his yeah. time there is on a, is a ticking time bomb anyways. So are we, we both kind of agreeing that the chargers are probably his best fit out there but it might not be where he lands yeah i I, like it again if we go into that video game world i think the chargers are a good place for him uh i would i would also say that miami is up there and i would go uh if cam newton can swallow his pride uh he's another guy that could fit as the backup in pittsburgh that would be interesting that... Uh, the issue there is that he'd have to swallow a lot of pride and a lot of money because Pittsburgh is not working with a lot of cap space. No. And I don't... I would be interested to see Cam Newton in in New England just because I feel like Belichick has a, a few tricks up his sleeve that we maybe haven't seen with like in terms of mobile quarterbacks. And I'm sure he's aware of where the game's going. Mm-hmm. A- and Cam, you know, he's going to be not the MVP caliber Cam Newton that we're aware of I and mean, he's a few years removed from that but I, I i honestly i wouldn't mind seeing that but i think an issue there with cam newton as it translates over to uh probably the next guy we're going to speak of jadavian Clowney, is this covid19 situation has made it really difficult for teams to you know look get in take a look how bad are they really because you can't you can't get in and be that mobile with in terms of moving around in the country right now how how much yeah. of an effect do you think that that's actually had on the prospects of trading for Cam Newton or giving Jadavian Clowney a big contract? 
I think it's affected a lot because when you're looking at someone, especially like Cam Newton, and uh, <clears throat> for that matter, the uh, Jameis Winston as well, like you want to know what exactly you're getting out of the guy. So, you know, having the quarterbacks throw a football, having Clowney run a couple sprints, you know, go up, do a couple edge drills or something like that, just to verify what you think you already know about this person. Uh, is is a big part of how free agency operates for the non-superstar players or non-coveted players when it comes to uh, specific teams. Like, personally, I'm sure the Panthers would have felt a lot more comfortable had they been able to work out Teddy Bridgewater, but I also think, based on how quickly they signed him, the Panthers were already fixated on Teddy Bridgewater and just wanted Teddy Bridgewater. So that's why that deal got done. I, I, I'm pretty much in complete agreement with you. Also, I think that there's just the issue with Jadavian Clowney. You don't know how good you know his knees or how good his body's holding up right now. Do you think he's asking for too much money? Personally, I think he's he's going to be out there for a, a little while. The Seahawks are looking at Everson Griffin, I believe, as a possible replacement. I, I've heard that they're even looking at Everson Griffin regardless. As they might just get both of them, which would be you know classic Seattle. But yeah. I, do you think he's asking for too much? I mean, I think in this position as a player, you need to ask for as much money as you want, and then you, you go with the team that gets closest, basically. If there's a team out there that you know you sit down at the negotiating table with and you start at this number and they just walk away from the table, like you are clearly never going to work together anyway. So I think... At 27, still arguably a great player. Like, I think he'll be able to. I think he's. I think he's doing the right thing by going after the money that he wants, even if it's not the money that he's going to get. Well, if you're already having athletic issues as well, and the knees are a slippery slope, you know, when you when you start having knee issues, it it, it generally puts a timer on what you can do. So chasing money, not the worst idea while you still can. And I, I've always advocated for NBA players to, you know, get that bag, essentially. <laughs> you yeah. know, get it while you can, because it's not always going to be there. And you never know what's going to happen, right? You could be mm -hmm. uh, the best player in the world and you, you turn your knee the wrong way one one game. And, you know, you might not see the field again. As we're uh, yeah. speaking of athletic declines, somebody who's not ever been athletically inclined, as far as I'm concerned, Philip Rivers to the Indianapolis Colts on a one-year, twenty-five million dollar deal. I, uh, I, I don't want to say I was unimpressed by Philip. I, I love him. A, a longtime Chargers fan prior to their moving, so he's got a, a soft spot in my heart. Even though we never really accomplished anything. How do you feel about this fit? Personally, I'm a, uh, I'm kind of iffy on it. I mostly just don't get it. Like. Out of all the teams that Philip Rivers could have gone to, like the the Colts feel like they overachieved last year as it was. So he's basically just ending up on a team that <laughs> they're hoping overachieves again, this time with Philip Rivers at quarterback instead of Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, I mean, the Colts were, were dealt a tough hand last season. Like, uh, Let's be honest, when you're... You know, once in a generation ish quarterback, you know, he retires like 10 minutes before the season starts and you're, 
you're kind of just like shrugging from there. It's like, I don't know what, what to expect. I'm, I don't love the fit because I, I just don't think that Philip Rivers is going to be a big game changer at this point in his career. Maybe if you're just like, hey, Philip, don't don't turn the ball over that much and we can maybe win a few games. I don't I don't know. Just watching him throw last season, it was kind of it was unsettling. You know, much along the lines of like Jameis Winston, when Jameis Winston would drop back in that that Houston Tampa Bay game. You just drop back and you hold your breath and you're like, okay, where's this going? That's kind of along the lines of how I felt with Philip Rivers, although not as bad. But I'm not sure I I love the fit, uh, and I'm not sure that they're going to get the results that they're they're paying for. Oh, twenty five million, I guess, is a, around average for a starting quarterback these days. Yeah, like the twenty five million isn't that big of a deal. Uh, the thing that really confuses me is that I think Philip upgraded his offensive line but significantly downgraded his weapons core. Yeah, there's there's no Keenan Allen on that team for sure. Yeah. And, and it's going to be a unless, you know, unless they really go out and invest in some weapons, which has not really been the Colts mantra as far as uh, you know, drafting and free agency goes, usually they'll they'll just take what they have. Uh, I'm not sure I I love it. Something I I I do love though. Uh, Stefan Diggs traded to Buffalo through a first, a fifth, and a sixth in 2020, and I believe a conditional fourth rounder in 2021. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a lot for, uh, I don't want to say it's a lot for Stefan Diggs because I feel like it's market value for him probably. And yeah. the likelihood that Buffalo is going to draft a receiver is pretty, pretty high. So investing that much into getting a receiver that's, proven that you know is going to be probably pretty good there's no certainty but the likelihood is that Stefan Diggs is going to step in and be your number one receiver from day one where you don't have to wait a year or two to come online that's yeah. big the the question obviously based on his last few years last two years I guess in Minnesota is just a matter of is Stefan Diggs going to be committed to the team like if Buffalo does Buffalo things where they just start losing because they're the Buffalo Bills, like, is is Diggs still going to be committed or are they going to trade him two years into this because, you know, they went seven and nine and then eight and eight? Well, I mean, it's not unheard of for Buffalo to do that. The thing that worries me, and even though I'm 100% on board with taking a chance on, on Diggs here, is... Josh Allen is just one of those quarterbacks and you he drops back and there's just moments of glory. And especially in that, that Cowboys game in this last year, he just drops back, just completely stands still in the pocket, throws a strike 30 yards downfield, first down, you know, and you're just, uh, that's my guy, you know. <laughs> I'm sold. That looked great. And then the next play pocket collapses he's running 15 yards backwards and taking a sack and you're what are you doing you know <laughs> that's i mean that, that's can we just talk about the flip for one second okay the the playoff game where he just he's going down and he sees his tight end and just decides to try and flip him the ball instead of just getting out of bounds yeah what on earth man <laughs> like 
it was such an easy play to not do, and for whatever reason, he just that that's the kind of thing that Josh Allen is good about because you don't know what he's gonna do, so you can't plan for him really as a defense that well. But also as an offensive player, you don't really know what he's gonna do, so you could turn around and the ball's gonna be right there, or it could be you know ten yards above your head. Yeah, he reminds me of of a better. Marcus Russell in some instances where he's just got the arm on him and he's got he's got faith that he can make throws and maybe uh puts too much on it at some points there's a little too much mustard on a pass and it just hits somebody in the hands and it, okay that was really fast or it just flies over their head like 15 feet above them that's the thing that I worry about with Stefan Diggs is Stefan Diggs is going to be able to get to a good amount of those passes and it'll probably look amazing when it does but the big piece for for Buffalo is Josh Allen. And Josh Allen just needs to take that next step, you know, connect what not to do with what to do in his brain. And that'll be the, the telling point of whether Stefan Diggs is worth spending a just a handful of picks on. I uh I'd really like the Buffalo Bills to go out and get uh I mean, obviously, you can't go out and get Christian McCaffrey, but a Christian McCaffrey-like player, like even Brian Westbrook will go with, where if they just get a guy that can run out into the flat so Josh Allen just has someone he can look at, and like, okay, I don't need to run 15 yards back to try and launch at 90 yards. I can just hit this guy on a dump pass, and we'll all move on. Like, I, I think that would go a long way in helping Josh Allen. Yeah, I could see that. And I think I think with the picks that they do have, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them look for like a just a reliable receiver, whether it's a a wide receiver and they've got a pretty good wide receiving corps now, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them even pick something late. Um or even the I think do we know if Frank Gore is retiring? I don't I didn't see anything about it. Let me do a let me do a quick Google search here while it's at my fingertips. Because if Frank no Gore's plans re- to retire, no plans to retire. Wow, that's a Frank Gore is a, a free agent though. Okay, I could yeah I could see them looking for a like an elusive back in the in the draft upcoming, and whether what's happening with the draft, I'm not even sure we have a a great idea of what's going on there. I imagine it's going to be closed to the public either either way. Yeah, uh, they they already closed it to the public. They also said that like the draft festivities wouldn't be happening, and most likely it'll just end up happening like the draft of yore, where it's uh, few personnel and then just all on a call. Yeah, that makes sense. The drafts of like the eighties and the seventies. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I think from here we've only got a, a few cursory deals left. Uh, Darius Slay being traded to Philly and made the highest paid cornerback in the entire league. I'm not sure if I'm really on board with Philly doing that. I feel like cornerback is maybe like one of the few places where they didn't need to invest a a buttload of money. But Mm -hmm. here we are. Uh, How do you feel about that? I mean, it's clear that Darius Slay is a very good cornerback and... I personally didn't watch enough of the Eagles last year to really say that the Eagles needed that big of an upgrade at cornerback. But at the same time, like when it comes to cap management, 
having your one of your highest paid players being a cornerback just seems like a fool's errand. Yeah, I'm not sure it's ever really worked out for for anybody. It, it just seems like it's it's also like slightly a risk because Darius Slay and like Matt Patricia they they were they were not friends to say the least. Uh, and they were uh, very adversarial. You're banking on Darius Slay coming in and being like, okay, I like this coach better as well. On on yeah. top of having that same production in a different system. Yeah, I, I just think that your average cornerback is going to be able to do the thing, most of the things that Darius Slay can do. He's just not going to have the big play potential that Darius Slay has. Oh, that's fair. Is there any uh, any deals that we missed that you feel like we should run over here before we uh, sign off? I mean, so I feel like we kind of skimmed over the worst deal that happened. <laughs> Right. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins going to the Cardinals for a bag of peanuts and some roasted marshmallows. Yeah, that one was. Uh, yeah, that one was bad. I. What? And <laughs> and the reasoning behind it is, is the thing that just blows my mind. And it, it, at that point, it just makes me wonder what Bill O'Brien's even doing. It's like, how is? For those who are unaware, it was a whole situation where. Bill O'Brien didn't like that Hopkins had as many baby mamas as he did. And then he didn't like that Bill, that Hopkins was trying to maybe take over the locker room more than he should. I'm not sure that kind of power struggle with a, a player, the caliber of Hopkins is worth keeping Bill O'Brien around for personally. I would rather turf O'Brien there, but for a fourth rounder and basically nothing when you're getting, like, was it a fifth rounder? Actually, I don't even think it was a fourth rounder. I think it was a fifth uh, rounder. Well, they get David Johnson, a second round pick, a uh, fourth round pick, and then their fourth round pick is going back to Arizona. Yeah, that's just when you when you look at like what Stefan Diggs went for, it's like okay, that's a that's just strange. And Hopkins has time left on his contract now. When the deal first happened. I thought it was because DeAndre was talking to the Texans about getting paid. And the Texans are an organization that at least so far, from memory alone, uh, hasn't really gone out and paid their best players. Like, I remember Mario Williams leaving. Obviously, we just had Jadavion Clowney leave. Now we have DeAndre Hopkins that has left. And I want, like, I wonder if he didn't at, at some point come up to the Texans and be like, Hey, I know I got two years left on this deal, but I'm playing way above the $10 million that you're paying me. You know, we should work out a new deal. And they just took that. And then Bill O'Brien was like, Hey, I'd like to trade Deandre Hopkins. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like that may, that part would like make more sense to me than what apparently actually happened. <laughs> What what do you even make of that if you're Deshaun Watson? That's got to be disheartening. That's your number one weapon, and they're like, ah, okay, we don't really want to pay him. Like, imagining they're gonna like he's gonna fetch somewhere in the twenty million, twenty five million range, which is a it's a big investment for a wide receiver. But Hopkins has never really been a wide receiver that I ha had like any re recollection of having any issues in the media or any real like headline issues he's just been a guy that's been out there and doing work 
So that it's it's strange to me that that's the hang up to them. Yeah, and like also it seemed at least from the outside in that uh, DeAndre Hopkins was a pretty good influence on the community too. It's not like he was just a guy that they were going to lose and nothing was going to happen. Like the fans are absolutely livid because he was an absolute fan favorite and you know people love him in Houston. Well, he's he's in a good landing spot, I think. Arizona, Kyler Murray's going to have a, a number one option for at least a few years. So we'll see what he looks like there. And I thought he looked pretty pretty good in his rookie year anyways. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to see how that turns out for him. Yeah, and I mean, it's really one of those things too now where uh, if they don't perform, like the, the wins may not be there. I, I, I don't know exactly where the Cardinals are in terms of like, where where they should be winning wise, but like if the offense doesn't perform, I, I think you have to start asking questions about it. If the defense doesn't hold up their end of the bargain and you know they go eight and eight or seven and nine, but the, the offense is, you know, top we'll say ten offense, like you're probably about where you think the Cardinals should be. But I'd say anywhere below the top fifteen and you gotta start asking questions about the personnel in Arizona. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a tough a tough division anyways because you've got Seattle and you've got the 49ers and that they're just going to be there you I I don't see the 49ers going anywhere and Seattle is just routinely in the playoffs it feels like yeah I I feel like if you if you take that third spot in that division and you look good in a couple games against them I feel like you're you're pretty all right with that going forward yeah and and the Rams most likely won't be a slouch either yeah, the Rams. I don't. I don't know how I feel about the Rams. Like personally, I just. I feel like I'm kind of. I'm kind of miffed on what they're. They're aiming for, but That's defensively, fair. they're. Uh, they're a beast, and I want to see Goff. I really want to see Goff like, take over and be that. That you know, star quarterback in L.A. That's I think, the big thing for them. Yeah. No, Goff's play is definitely going to determine whether, they. Uh show out this year or you know go back to the uh three and 13 days that's fair and are we are we missing any other deals here before we head out uh so malcolm jenkins going back to the saints isn't really much to talk about but you know i think the eagles are going to miss malcolm jenkins in the backfield uh nick Foles to the bears restructuring his contract so nick Foles can get out of the contract was interesting uh but i mean what are you going to do with Mitchell Trubisky as the Bears? Like, you just let him ride out this year and hope Nick Foles starts over him? Or, like, that? That that's a situation that I, I find very interesting because th- you, you can't have faith in the organization if you're Mitch Trubisky right now. Yeah, and it's always an awkward spot for the locker room, too, where you have the two competing quarterbacks and it really divides locker rooms as we've seen in the past is some people will get behind Trubisky and be like, we should be starting him. He's, you know, he's our young and up and comer. Maybe he still got it. Maybe he doesn't. And then you'll get behind the people that are just, uh, we just want to win. Foles gives us the best chance of that. Foles, (laughs) Nick Foles has a a really interesting career. That's a, it's not a, I don't even think it's that close to being over. Uh, he's definitely got a few years left on him as a as a traveling starting quarterback, much in the line of uh, I think of Fitzpatrick. Yeah, but yeah, I, no. I'm not I'm not sure that I uh, I really 
see Foles making a huge difference in Chicago, but I've uh, I mean, I've been wrong many a times. Nick Foles is basically your modern day Trent Dilfer, where he's the quarterback that you're not really mad that he's your quarterback, but if you think you can improve upon him, you also probably want to do that. Yeah, I could uh, uh, see that. The the final one uh, I teased you with it at the beginning. Uh, before we got on here, the the signing that doesn't matter or is the weirdest to me, and that's just Jason Witten to the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, that one. When I read it, I was just like, I get it. I I maybe he just wants to be that. Like again, it's going to be a pretty. It's going to be a, a spectacle. Like let's be honest, whether they're bad yeah. or whether they're good, just the fact that they're positioned in Las Vegas. It's their first year. You're going to get a lot of people coming in and coming out just through tier, tourism. Uh, wow. Actually, with COVID-19, I'm not sure what the, the tourism situation will be like in September. We're hearing this could go on for eight months. It could go on for a year as far as like social distancing. So who knows yeah. what what we're getting at the start of this season. But uh, I think it's I from that aspect, I get it. If you just want to be a part of something like that's likely going to be a, a pretty fun situation but we, i'm not sure i love the fit it, it also just adds to this year's weird thing of like what other team did this famous dallas cowboy play for and you're like jason witten played for another team yeah. <laughs> honestly like there's going to be some people out there that read that headline and they'll be like jason witten is still playing like what you know it's uh yeah uh, but yeah, you got Philip Rivers, a longtime Charger, now with the Colts. You know that's gonna be your one-year piece of trivia, possibly. And Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers. Yeah, Tom Brady. When I, when we see Tom Brady in another uniform, I'm 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 gonna have to rub my eyes a few times, maybe put a little hand sanitizer on before I do that. But uh, it's going to be a a weird sight to see. And apparently, they're getting new uniforms. So I was gonna say, I I thought I heard the rumor that they're getting new uniforms. Too, which is just boy if they go back to like the orange creamsicle color too for the buccaneers and we just get like tom in the classic tampa bay uniforms that that might be something that i purchase yeah that would be a good one i think there's a mock-up floating around and i'm going to post this in our group chat there's a mock-up floating around by somebody who claims to have seen them firsthand and just like made this as a representation it looks a lot like what they were wearing prior to this you know in your chris sims years uh mm -hmm. so i'm i was always kind of partial to those uh without the kind of grossly like brassy colored pants that they were wearing at the time so any upgrade on those is a is a good look in my book yeah i personally really really like the pewter color that they use the not quite gray not quite silver but uh that's uh that's just one of my favorite color the that and that bright red are just you know one of my favorite color combos that I don't think can really even be replicated. And on that note, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. We'll be back next week at the same time, most likely with Michael. You'll be back, but I want to remind everybody: stay safe, wash your hands, practice social distancing, and we'll get through this together. 